Hello, this is Daniel Orton, pastor of Harvest House United Pentecostal Church in Marion, Kentucky. It is our desire to see hurting hearts and minds healed as they are born again into the kingdom of God. It is my desire that this podcast will be a blessing to you and help bring you closer to Jesus. Okay, so I went over this a second ago, but I'm just going to kind of do a quick reminder for everyone. Uh, Since we are doing this Ask Us Anything session tonight, um, I have given some cards out. I do have some more cards if anyone needs any. Um, But basically the way this is going to work is I have few questions that I've already gotten, and if at any point you want to put in your question, just bring it up here and we will address it. I will, I may end up rephrasing it, and if, and if I rephrase it and you feel like my rephrasing is wrong, correct me. <laughs> uh, so I may rephrase some things for clarity just in case, and I'm going to try and put these in a good order and uh, address these. And this is going to go on the podcast, so... Yes, uh, it is. The podcast is already rolling. Some of the questions that was asked is the people are not here. Yeah, some people that asked are not here right now. Okay. So I'm going to start with one that I think is the lightest question we have. I think this is the lightest, least controversial, least uh, in-depth type thing that we might have. And uh, it goes like this. We are supposed to love everyone. But how do you handle loving everyone but at the same time create boundaries or limitations between you and rude or negative people? Please use your microphones. <laughs> he told me to start with this. I was hoping he would. <laughs> and you said this was the easiest one. <laughs> I, I think it might be. I think this might be the easiest one. We got some heavy questions. Um, <laughs> well, how about nicely don't associate with you? <laughs> okay, but how can you be nice and not associate with someone? Mm. Don't engage in the negativity and um, try to maybe just not put yourself in a place to where they can affect you too much. I'm not real great at this, honestly, because I'm one of those who have my feelings on my shoulders a lot and get my feelings hurt. So, um Daniel, you got your scripture yet? <laughs> sure. Let me hear the question again. Okay. I want to hear it. Make sure How do you mind. balance loving everyone and creating boundaries with negative or rude people? I'll give you the simple, simple answer, and then I will give you the hard biblical answer. Because <laughs> that's honestly what we're, we ultimately want. Jay can give me more slack here. I'm working on it. What's that? Daniel said he wouldn't use 
I think it'd be easier if I just did it like this, so it don't matter. So, um, it is not easy to love anybody who is mean to you, wronged you, all that kind of thing. So, the a lot of times you just have to avoid people. And if it's family, it's not always easy. But you have to find that place where when they start, when a person you're associating with starts affecting your spiritual walk to the point that you literally would like to kill them. Or, or they make you feel like you want to kill yourself. Yeah, one way or the other. Then you have to separate yourself from them. But with all that said, the ultimate goal is to love them like Jesus loves them. And that's to see them as Jesus sees them. And Jesus said, I send you to love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's not the easy thing. Hang on. That's not the easy thing. That is, that is our goal. But even with that, there does, Jesus does also talk, also talk about the time that you have to just shake the dust off your feet when they don't accept it and walk away. So, so how does that tie to Henry Cloud's Boundaries book? Henry Cloud. I'm asking you that question. How does it apply? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're probably your best bet with that situation. Uh, for those who may not be able to hear, she's talking about the person who, that are so negative that they could be almost hurtful to you physically, physically, then call the law. EPO. Put an EPO against them. Uh, what, in answer to your Henry Cloud's boundaries question, which does apply here, even in that case, mm-hmm. Uh, I would say the way he would put it is if they, if you have told them no, I'm not going to engage with you if you're going to be this way. You have to, first of all, give them the benefit of the doubt and say, I am not going to be involved with you if you're going to be this way. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And if they break that, break that rule, if they regularly break that rule and it looks like, okay, I've given you three strikes here, and you're breaking the rule. Say, here's the consequences. Spell out what the consequences are going to be. I'm not going to speak to you. I'm going to hang up on you. I'm going to say, get out of my house. I'm gonna, um, and yes, you can still be loving in doing that. Because it's in the Bible. If someone rejects you, shake the dust off your feet and leave. I think that's probably ultimately it. But with that said, if you see them, you need to pray for them. Mm-hmm. Still pray, pray for them. them. Pray, Still do that. Pray to the point where you don't have nothing in your heart towards them. So make sure that you've forgiven them, but you're 
creating a safe space for yes. yourself. Yeah. That's probably the best answer. Yeah. You make sure you have nothing in your spirit against that person, but you create a space, a safe space there too. So. All right, so we're going to try and gradually work into <clears throat> our next one here. Uh, we've got a few that are kind of tying in. Okay. First of all, we've got this. Um, you've already heard this one. If God made everyone and everything, who made God? If And since he wasn't here to make himself, who made God? answer that one? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, seriously. The self-existing one. Seriously, I'm, honestly, this is, this is what you have with that. I have literally sat multiple times, especially as a younger person. I don't now because now I just, I've experienced God. So, I don't have that question of who he is. So I think that question comes from not really, I mean, don't take this offensive. I think it really comes from not really having a real true depth experience with God. But if you really ever really experience him, you won't question that as much. But as a young person, I had that question and I'd get a headache. I think. Where did God come from? This hurts. And here's the truth of the matter. God created us in his image, but he didn't create us as he is. So our minds cannot comprehend the fullness of who God is and everything that he can do. And to be honest, I don't know where he come from. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's like what I was, God is omnipresent, omniscient. Explain what that means. Omnipresent means he always... He is or he's everywhere. everywhere. Omniscient means he's all-knowing. And omnipotent means he has all power. And am I forgetting one? Or is that it? All of the, all of the yeah. things. Yeah, <laughs> And um, it's always been. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. John 1 and 1 said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and when it comes to God, we have to just experience him to know him. <laughs> If you are struggling with these questions, it's good to go to someone who has actually worked, done the work and all this to go into this. And there are a lot of people who have written a lot of good books who are a lot smarter than me who have tackled this. They're Christian apologists. If you're wanting to know more about this, you could go check out the Peculiar Podcast, my interview with Joshua <laughs> Pearson, yeah. where he lists a whole lot of things. And even if you don't want to listen to me and another Bible nerd ramble for an hour and 45 minutes, <laughs> just scroll through all the links that are attached to that. It's a bunch of guys with a bunch of different YouTube channels, books, and all that who explain it in a lot quicker and a lot better than either of us. I vote you get him to come down here for you We'll talk about that later. Mm -hmm. Lexi, I think the bottom line of that question is, I don't think any of us are going to know till we leave this earthly body and we're in the presence of God. And that's what, if this person goes to hell, you may not ever know. I don't know. But, but I, you're gonna know I personally <laughs> think the best way to know that answer is to get to know him to the point that your comfort with just trusting him. The more I see you, the more I find you. One, more, one more note. What a lot of those guys 
who I've watched some of their videos, and they're Christian apologists. They've went into a lot of this. They simply put it this way. God does not follow the same rules no. as we do. He didn't have to be created. So I have a question. We just can't comprehend that. Would Ken Ham, who we mentioned to Sister Penny earlier, would he be a good one to talk, for them to look up? He covers some of this. Uh, he's a little more on the natural physical stuff than the uh, <clears throat> philosophical type questions. Okay. But there's a guy named Sean McDowell, I think, is one of the guys who's more in the philosophical type mm -hmm. things. You can check him out. Him and his son both are on YouTube and mm -hmm. cover a lot of these things. Okay, so in this philosophical vein, let's continue into one here. Um, if Adam and Eve were the only people on earth, and we got here by them, does that mean we're the result of incest? Yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, I will say it this way. Yes, but. It would appear to be, if you just go strictly by scriptures, it would seem as if Adam and Eve's children um, end up having sexual relations with each other, and that's how we are here. Now, there are a lot of Christian scholars that do believe there were other humans created after Adam and Eve. Now, it does not say that. It doesn't say that. If you go by Bible, it appears to be everybody. Now, let me go. Well, I can't say that. I start to say, we go. Then you can back up to. Sons of God and the daughters of men. You can back up to Noah, but their wives, Noah's three sons' wives might not have been their brother or sister, but they could have been a cousin. I don't know. Yeah, they probably were. Uh, but statistically speaking. Take the Bible as is what it says. Yes. Statistically speaking, if you have a thousand people. In a population, it takes a thousand people to avoid ending up having incest happen. Hmm. Statistically. Yeah. To completely make sure that's not going to happen at any point within the next 500 years. But uh, it's so you, a few generations out, it doesn't matter anymore. It, the effects completely disappear several generations out. But. That's yeah. just the way it is. I do think during that time period, the whole humanity scope was just totally different. People live longer. I don't know. Yeah. That's some of the things. Autumn, don't are know. you listening? Yes, ma'am. That's some of the things okay. I really don't know. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, let's uh, move on from some of those questions into how can you tell if you're going to go to heaven? You follow the plan of salvation. Use the microphone. You follow the plan of salvation. <laughs> okay, that is weak. <laughs> Incredibly. Do you know the plan of salvation? Okay, here's here's the bottom line when it comes to that question. Um, the Bible says Jesus told Nicodemus, "Except the man is born again of the water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven." So it takes being born again. And then it takes having a relationship with Jesus. Because once we get there, and he says in the scripture, depart from me, I never knew you. You have to know Jesus. I guess that's really the bottom line. You have to know Jesus. Know him. And to know him, to love him. And to know him is to embrace uh, 
what He wants you to do. The Word of God. And I do think there's a place that you can get with your walk with God that you will know that you're going to make it. Yeah. I think it's a no-so. So. you cannot ever think you won't fall. But you cannot ever no. get that place you think that is guaranteed. Yeah, because take heed any man who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Because we can all make mistakes. And we do. Mm -hmm. It does say there is a way. If you'll do all these things, you won't fall. Yeah. But you have to make sure that you're yeah. making your calling and election you sure is Daily. what it says. Yeah. If you make your calling and election sure, the way you do and that is, is to just keep on growing, growing, growing after the plan of salvation. Acts 238. The plan of salvation is, is uh, just simply repenting of your sins, uh, being baptized in Jesus' name. And you shall receive and the gift. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and then live a righteous, holy life the best of your ability. Use your microphone, please. <laughs> please use the microphone. Please use the microphone. <laughs> Repent, be baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and keep on growing. That's the main key takeaway there. <laughs> um, so, since we kind of said that, we talked about getting the Holy Ghost, what is speaking in tongues? And how does that determine going to heaven? Which we tied into. It's following the plan of salvation. And you will speak in a language you have not learned. What is speaking You'll speak in a language you have not learned. It is, huh? Possibly Spanish. What? Possibly Spanish. Yeah, possibly that's Arabic. a possibility. Possibly something that no one on this planet yeah. knows. Who knows? He may possibility. Speak in Klingon. I don't know. Yeah, it's Klingon. <laughs> I doubt that one. Okay, that's what speaking in tongues is. It's when you pray and the Spirit of God comes on you and He takes your tongue and you speak in a language that you do not know. And that is how you. Prayer language, yeah. And it can change over time and it can change at any moment. And the more you get to know God, the more you you do that. And But there is something that I found. I had to get to the point to where I was not just trying to pray in tongues all the time and found out that there's some power in praying in English too. So that is, is that completing the answer or is it? Speaking in tongues is proof that God is controlling your life. Initial proof. Yes, sir. So, Biblically speaking, it, it would be a language that you do not know. Yeah. Someone now, else in the room being, may know. Us being spoiled Americans, we don't see it. But there are missionaries who go to other nations, and they know that <clears throat> people receive the Holy Ghost because they begin praising God in English. And they do not know English. So there have been missionaries that literally have heard, whether it be a kid or adult, all of a sudden they begin to speak and usually what they say they do, they're like, hallelujah, praise God, thank you for what you've done. They're actually just, I love you, Jesus, and, and there's stuff like that. Uh, it was probably something they were saying anyway, but because they were speaking in a heavenly language, it come out as English. 
And I've heard other stories where people have been speaking in tongues in church and somebody from another um, language, they know another language come in. Hispanic, I heard one story one time, the lady was speaking in Hispanic and the pastor is actually kind of like, why is she doing this? Why is she going on? Why don't she shut up and quit? And then when he took the gentleman home in the car that he brought to church that night, he said, why was your wife telling me this in my language? And she was actually speaking direct to him through that language. But in, in a short form, tongues is the biggest problem every one of us have is saying too much, speaking too much. And it's proof that we let our tongue go to God and he controls it. That doesn't so. mean we have it under control all the time, though. That doesn't mean that that no. moment we let God control. Yeah. When does that need to be interpreted? That actually is a very common and good question. Please answer the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we can hear it on podcast. We're, we're putting it on a podcast. I know you guys can hear us, so. It's recording back there through the system. So, it's not on okay. Right now. This on. is a common question. Uh, if tongues are spoken, I know this is not exactly what you're asking, but I'm going to answer it in this way. If tongues are being spoken, why is there not an interpreter? No, she's a wind. Does it need? I know, but this is okay. that. This will answer it. People ask it all the time. Well, you shouldn't speak in tongues because you don't got an interpreter. Well, um, that is not necessarily the case. Those who's ever seen tongues and interpretation in the church, it's two different things. Mm -hmm. It is a part, um, the tongues interpretation is a part of the, um, help me, I just went brain dead, Jane. Gifts, gifts of spirit, there you go. It's a part of the gifts of the spirit that edifies the body of the church. So it is kind of a, to let know that the flow of the spirit is flowing and those who have been here or other places where you've heard it happen, it's a totally different type of tongue. Remember, it's an anniversary service when. Yeah, anniversary service last year Brother when Brother White spoke in tongues, and yeah. it was just so different. Um, I know I've had it to come up home me a few times, and I remember one time I'd done it, somebody come to me and said, That just didn't sound like you. And I was like, Well, it didn't feel like me either. Mm -hmm. It's just totally different, uh, it's a lot more authoritative. But you're infilling the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. By and large, in general, that is to edify that individual. Like she said, the prayer language. Is like a prayer language. You and God, yeah. But um, but when it needs to be interpreted, usually it's you'll it. That's a holy hush come across the church. It's like you could take the rowdiest kids and that tongue interpretation fall in this place, and it'll just it'll just calm and settle the place out. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's a totally different type of, it's more of authoritative, more of a, and that's, you know, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, we it's get loud, we get loud and we get what, whatever mm -hmm. during church and speaking in tongues. That's why I try now, if not everybody does it, but I try to, if I'm preaching or if I'm in a microphone and I begin to speak in tongues, I usually pull the microphone away. Because I don't want people to think that I'm, you know, that's at that moment, that's not for them. That's for me. Mm -hmm. 
that's for my for me so i'll pull the microphone away i don't want to just i'm not saying that's wrong or right i'm just in my mind i just don't want people to think oh this is for everybody because that's for me at that moment but uh anyway that help answer um also a lot of subjects we'll get on tonight that really just need to be talked about and mm-hmm. uh, you'll notice in the book of acts it says uh they heard them declaring the wonderful works of God in their own language. Yeah. Uh, that's what the the story about the Spanish lady being in service. Uh, I've also heard a story about a guy who said, "Well, God, if I if you're actually if Jesus is actually God, He will tell me in my own native tongue that He is God when I show up." Guys on the front row, service starts immediately. He hears a woman recite in perfect in perfect Hebrew. Mm. Jesus is the only God, that, and it was a sign for him. Mm. He didn't need an interpreter because mm-hmm. he heard it in his own tongue. Wow. Yeah. And it was a message only for him. It was a message only for him. So anyway, uh, so we're talking about speaking in tongues. We're talking about some of those signs and things like that. So, and we also talked about how do you know you're saved but let's get to something that's kind of why do you need to know that you're going to be saved? How do you explain that when you die, you won't just be left on earth in a grave and that there are only two places you can end up, heaven or hell? How, do you, how would you explain that to someone? Go for it. So let me hear it one more time. How would you explain to someone that when you die, you will not be left on earth, and that there are only two places you will end up, heaven or hell. I think, number one, with this question and many of these questions that we are tackling tonight, <clears throat> it has to come to this. The bottom line, it comes to the Bible. Amen. This is why I'm going to be really plain hard and honest maybe here with this we have a lot of people come to church a lot of times and and they come for various reasons but the bottom line is the the purpose of church is to get salvation in our life Mm -hmm. and everything is has to be based from the word of god if you do not believe this is the word of god you will have a hard time ever making heaven your home because you won't feel like it is necessary it's kind of like taking a test in school. Um, if you never read it, your material to take your test, you're going to have a hard time passing that test. But, and it's not like it's some simple thing. Um, you have to know what the Bible says. So, when explaining to somebody that there's only, you know, there's only two options: you're going to heaven or hell. They've got to have somewhat, some kind of faith in the Word of God, mm-hmm. or you're almost, um, what, what's the scripture? Your casting your pearl before the swine. Because yeah. what that scripture means is when you're casting pearls before your swine, they're just going to devour what you're saying and spit it out. They don't care. They're going to trample it. So if this person is sincere and they really want to know, then they'll have an essence of believing in the word of God, then you can let them know. Well, the Bible says that when we die, 
It's appointed a man once to die, and then the judgment. And if you've not been born again according to the word of God, then you'll go to a place that's called hell. But if you have been born again according to the word of God, then there is a place prepared for us called heaven. And to me, I think it's the best. it has to go back to the word of God. It, the word of God has to be the basis. And if there's anybody here tonight or may hear this, if, if you don't, the word of God is the foundation. It has to be the foundation of everything. And this is why I've spent a lifetime reading it every day of my life, studying it, preaching it, and whatever. It has to be the foundation. And that's the bottom line with it. You, they have to have an essence of, of believing there's God, believing there's a word. If not, they're just being contentious. And they really don't want to know. They're just trying to get a response out of you. That'd be my guess, so. And honestly, that's the big deal about a lot of these questions we've had. You need to read the Word of God, and you need to study the Word of God, and you need Bible study, you need conversation, like what we're doing tonight. All of it's important, and we need each other, and we need the Word of God. Let, let me say this. This is not a question, but I just want to throw it out there. There is an end time that's coming. There's two different... Three different views on how the end time will play out. Jesus will come back before seven-year tribulation. And then there will people be left behind for seven years. Or we will leave at the end of it. After the end of the tribulation, basically, Jesus comes back and it's all over. Or, in the middle of it. or it may happen in the middle of it. Whatever the case is, if it's a pre-tribulation, you better hope that Jesus is going to give you a second chance. Mm -hmm. And then you will pick up the Bible or you'll be totally lost because there's another question that's coming that well, I may well cross the bridge. Okay. So, uh, we, I'm, I'm struggling to find a good place to stick these in, so I'm going to kind of combine three here. Uh, I'm going to combine these three here. Um, Two of them really kind of go together, so I'll just say these. Why does God let us suffer to begin with? And most specifically, why does God let people who are sick or old keep suffering? Hmm. There's a guy named Eli Hernandez that talked about dementia. And it really, really, really has affected me because, as you know, my mom had some dementia. Daniel's mom passed away with Alzheimer's and my dad currently has dementia. And this guy, he was talking about how a lot of times when we don't process things in our lives that we cycle over and over and over again until we learn them. And he said, Actually, that's what dementia is, is you cycling over and over and over again until you die. I know for a fact that particularly Daniel's mom, I know she dealt with a lot of unforgiveness and stuff like that in her life. And I know for a fact that woman lived a godly life, and I believe she went to heaven, but I think she dealt with a lot of stuff in her mind before she left this place 
because she was processing all of that stuff. And it's sad. And all of us are going to suffer. The Bible says, in this world we will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And there's another place that says, when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. None of us like to suffer. And I remember hearing that to be careful when you pray for patience because you're asking for tribulation. I was like, oh, God, I'm never going to pray for patience. But guess what? He's going to teach me anyway, whether I pray for it or not. And I'm going to have trouble whether I want it or not because it's just part of life. And it doesn't mean he don't love us. It means he does love us. And he's got to teach us a few things before we get out of here. Two answers. <clears throat> two reasons to that. Two reasons. For why people suffer. For why people suffer. Two reasons. Number one is sin. Mm -hmm. If Adam and Eve, the plan that God wanted was for Adam and Eve to live in the garden, not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which basically... Uh, took the, the choice of doing right and wrong out of God's hand in their own hand basically and said I don't need you God I can make my own choices and when they did sin began to control their life so sin Bible says brings forth anybody know what that says death, death. Anything, anytime death is involved in our life then you will suffer not hardly anybody who dies is not going to suffer in some kind of way or another. If you breathe on this earth, you're going to Exactly. Suffer. So because of sin that happened in the garden, that is number one why people suffer and there is pain. Here's the other reason, and this is the hard part, is God gave us the, the um, he gave us the ability to choose. And unfortunately, our choices make us suffer and then make other people suffer. And some that's sitting here or will listen to this on podcasts, you're suffering because somebody else made bad decisions. Yeah. Their choices has made you suffer. Some of you guys, your parents have chose to walk away or get a divorce. They've chosen to do drugs. They've chose to do the unthinkable things in their life. And unfortunately, you've had to suffer because of their choices. That is the two reasons why is sin and because of choices, either by your choice or somebody else's choice. And that is what Jesus come to save us from. He come to save us from our sins. And we have to make a choice that we will live for Jesus and to make the best choices you can, and you're still going to suffer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There you go. But mm -hmm. heaven and living for Jesus is not about everything good on this earth it's about living eternity with jesus life is not about this life. it's not about now life is about later and that's the hard part when you're dealing with this people don't like to think about the future they like to think about now instant gratification yeah on this wavelength i have been feeling depressed reads the question how what are some things that could help me with this depression? Jesus. Some things. <laughs> um, I quoted this verse a few minutes ago. 
in this life you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Um, Jesus has literally got you in his hands. And that doesn't mean everything's perfect. And we are going to deal with junk in this world. And we have mentioned this book a bunch of times since we've been sitting here. Get in it, read it, and also, if you've not talked to anybody about it, talk to somebody about it because we need each other. And it's according to what's going on. You might need some medicine, but you need to not hide it. You need to get it out there, and you need to talk to Jesus about it. Cast all your cares on him because he's cared for you. Um, there's an old song. I didn't. It wasn't old when I was young. But it says, the more I seek you, the more I find you. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe and feel your heartbeat. Literally, we can do that with Jesus. You can sit at his feet and let him feed you. And the greatest thing you can do when you're feeling depressed is take it to Jesus and let him feed you. Make God your best friend. Because people can't always be what we need them to be, but he can always be there. It's just that we so many times get distracted by everything around us that we forget that he's there, but he's always there. And he loves you more than you could even imagine and he wants to talk to you and he will if you'll let him i am by nature not a person who deals with depression and for years my answer was go pray through you'll feel better what to do if you're feeling depressed for years my answer was oh you just need a good prayer meeting that's i was stupid I'll just tell you the truth. You can't, sometimes you just cannot go pray through and make you feel better. Over the last two years, I probably have dealt personally with more depression than I ever have in my life. And that's still nowhere near the level what my wife and others has dealt with. I recently read a book called Light in a Dark Place by Carlton Kuhn. Extraordinary man of God. He preached here one time years ago. And he talked about his depression. There's a man by the name of Mark Morgan out of California. He's one of the most anointed, prophetic men of God I know. And he's dealt with depression. And depression is, is very powerful. The Bible defines it as the spirit of heaviness. It's almost as if, uh, from my understanding, and you could correct me, is as if when depression gets on it's like this big wet heavy blanket that just lays on top of you you feel like you just can't get out of half and under it and so the best from my understanding and what I've dealt with when I find myself going to that place of depression I think about this scripture in Isaiah 61 and 3 to appoint to them that morning Zion to give to them beauty for ashes the oil of mourning oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness the most powerful weapon that I can recollect for depression 
and it's hard when you're there is praise begin to think of everything you can that is positive thank God for everything you can think about every good thing as small as it may be as big as you can and honestly sometimes all you're going to do you're going to get down you feel like you can't hardly say anything just say God I thank you for my family God I thank you for my church God I thank you for breath to breathe it's not like big loud exuberant but just just the making yourself do it makes a difference and you got to climb out of the hole. Yeah. That's what it, what it amounts to. But here's another thing. I've heard this over lately. If you're a person who deals with depression, on a biblical standpoint, a lot of people who are incredible prayer warriors and intercessors are depressed people. And a lot of time, God allows depression to get on you because you feel the heaviness of somebody else on you and you need to go pray for somebody else and that will help break that depression off of you because a lot of times the depression that comes on you is the fact that God wants you to go pray and a lot of times it's go pray for someone else and you may not know who, that, you is. Not know who that is or you may know somebody who's depressed so if you get there Think of somebody you know that's depressed. Go find a place and begin to pray for that other person that's depressed. And, again, I'm not somebody that experiences deep depression, but from, my, from what I've heard preachers say in that book that I've read, that will help bring you out of that place. Also, one other note. It is sometimes very hard when you're in that place to even say thank you for my family and thank you for my church. Thank you for... What? Thank you for ice cream. Thank you for mm -hmm. anything. Uh, it's sometimes hard to do that. And that's and why you need somebody you can go to. And what a lot of people do is they like to listen to sad songs when they're sad. That's a bad idea. And one of the best things you can do, it says the garment of praise. Let praise surround you. One of the best things you can do for that, turn on a playlist of songs that are out, coming out of the dark into the light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Write your I, I have, uh, or even write, write your own. Mm -hmm. There's a specific type of praise in the Bible listed as a Tehillah praise, which is a praise of song. Mm -hmm. well, and in fact, that's actually the type of praise listed in that verse. Mm. Yeah. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise, that type of praise is actually music. So one of the best things you can do, don't listen to sad songs. Listen to some shouting music. Listen to, at the very least, some music that praises God. Yes. It may not be shouting music, but just something. Well, probably not shouting music. I, I know. My, 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 <laughs> like, I, hey, something uplifting. Something, yeah, something that's that going to raise deep, you but up. About, yeah. I know God can do it. No, it don't. It's going to make you kill yourself. No, no. What that does, listen. No, you haven't. Thank God. What that does. You killed yourself, fuels, Brady? But okay. There you go. You, you went through it. Let me explain, though, part of what the danger of what you're saying is cutting. Okay? Let me, because we hadn't mentioned that, and I don't know there's a question there, but here's the thing. It's almost as if adding more pain to the pain makes you feel better. But that goes back to the instant gratification. It's only a temporary relief. 
And that's why cutting is so dangerous. And that's why, listen, that's so dangerous. You may not have ever experienced this, but I hate to use this horrible example, but I'll just do it this way. A bug bite somewhere on your body. What do you naturally want to do? It hurts, and you want it to feel better, so you scratch it. And you keep scratching it. And you keep scratching because it makes it feel good for the moment. And then it gets infected. To the point that you scratch it to the blood begins to come run out. And then you get it infected. And then you have a big problem. It's the same thing that happens with this type of thing with cutting or depression. You just feed more to it. For the moment, yes, it feels good. It's like uh, alcohol or drugs or anything. For that moment, it feels good. But the long-term effect is very, very damaging. So that's why you need to treat the problem and not the symptom. Because when you do that, and all you're doing you is treating the your symptom. Cares on God, you're telling him that stuff. You're not ignoring it and pretending it's not there. You're telling him about it, and you're allowing him to help you with it. Yeah. So that's that is processing it and getting it out, and that's getting it to the right place. I will not. I will not sit here and tell you that it does not help and feel good because I agree it does. What does? When you when you start thinking about when you're depressed or because I've been there, you're depressed and you're that moment, you start feeding it more of it because in that moment it makes you start feeling better. How does that make you feel better? I don't know what you're talking about. In that moment, getting that the moment, emotions out, it's your the feet, because mind here's the dump thing. that you said you didn't You're like. feeding that emotion. You're feeding okay. that emotion, but the long term yeah. is so damaging, it's not even worth it. Yeah. L listen, Psalm 22, verse 1 is a song of praise, but it starts, my God, my God, why I hast thou forsaken me? Yeah. This is why I said, listen to music. It may start... Listen to praise music, because even if it starts, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It can end with... They shall declare righteousness unto yes. a people that he shall be born, that he hath done this. You need to do something that's going to work it out. Yeah. Work it out in prayer. Work it out in praise music. Don't work it out in panic at the disco. <laughs> okay. And we talked about this. That's what I said, something about writing yourself out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, Ken Gurley talked about it. It's talking about when this woman that wrote all these dark songs. Remember when we were at ladies retreat, Bethany was a listen to that guy. God help me, my brain or something like that. And I was like, that I don't like that. But they just just NF. like over and over, yeah. The the guy you're thinking of is NF. NF, yes. But when you start out, you can say all this dark dark stuff but realize at the end of that dark there is a light and that light is jesus and that's what we need we need to go out of the darkness into the light and let him help us and when we cast our cares on him we don't don't be afraid to say hey god my life sucks right now because you're not going to freak him out you're not going to shock god you can tell him any kind of stuff like that you want Pray to like and if you're mad you. tell god you're mad but tell him about it and don't just pretend it's not there or just uh tell whoever or go cut or listen to negative music but yeah talk to jesus about it yeah um 
on the note, uh, you we were talking earlier, and you said you hate to just mind dump. Mm -hmm. You want to write it in a way that sounds pretty and beautiful. At the end, yeah. But <laughs> it it is okay to dump all of it out. Yeah. Don't it. necessarily have to dump it all out on people. Dump it all out on an altar. Oh, I'm okay with dumping it out on your daddy. <laughs> And here you are lying to me saying you don't like to dump it out. No, I said I don't like to dump it out on a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, simple put. Don't don't ask. Okay. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it is important. So, on all this note, it's, it, let's just kind of wrap it up on that topic. Because uh, turn to the Word of God, turn to prayer. Those simple things. So, let, let's kind of touch on this one. If two people are in a relationship, this is off the, we just need to shift here. So, if two people are in a relationship and they have different beliefs, this is exactly the way the question was presented. These are not my words, just for everyone out there to know. If two people are in a relationship and have different beliefs, who's going to heaven, who's going to hell? Well, everyone knows. Okay, thank you. I wasn't going to share that part, but thank you for letting everyone know. Hi. <laughs> well, you're handing that to me, right? Okay. So, two people are in a relationship. Basically, who's right and who's wrong? That's the real question. Okay. Early in my pastoralship, I had this situation that happened in the church. And it was this couple that was seeing each other. And uh, they weren't married, but they were dating. And the incident happened. And I got a phone call from one of them saying, this happened. It was so horrible. so bad. Anyway, so I called this friend of mine. And he gave me some advice that I've used many times. And this is what I will use here. He said, whenever Joshua was standing after they was fixing to go and do some battle, there was a man standing there that Joshua approached. And Joshua asked him uh, the question. He said, are you on our side or their side? And the man basically presented a question to him and basically said, no, are you on God's side? And he said, Brother Orton, in these situations, you cannot side with an individual. You have to side with God. So my answer to that question is simply this. It's not a matter of this one's right or that one's right. It's the word is right. We do not line up. One second. We do not line up with each other. We have to line up with the word of God. We cannot line up with what mama said, daddy said. It's been this way through generation after generation generation. It has to be what thus said the word of God. So without knowing exactly, and which I may know exactly what, the, what it is, but um, the one who we have to line up with God's word and the one who's lined up with God's word is the one will be right. It's not a matter of what they say. It's no, not up to
that that again. Well, it's up to the word of God. It's up to God. Which one does the Bible say? Is and this, right? and this is question. a beautiful thing about that is I'm not the judge. Go ahead. Ask. No, ask. I don't care. Ask. Is it the aliens question? Is it a question <laughs> <about> <laughs> because I have one up here about aliens and it has Braden on it. But the bottom line, the bottom line with that question is if them individuals come to me and said, this one believes this and this one believes this, who's going to heaven and who's going to hell? My answer to them is, first is I'm not God. I'm not putting nobody in heaven or hell. Second is, if this person believes this and it's, the Bible backs it up, um, that doesn't mean they're going to heaven or hell. The only thing it means is you're going to go to heaven or hell is if you've been born again of the water and of the Spirit. Like Jesus said, because even if you believe something, that doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. Jenna, did you hear that? Simple answer is it may be neither and it may be both. Exactly. But now, that's not yeah, the kind of simple answer. That's it. That's the truth. And that is why the question earlier, I don't want to take that chance of, I hope this is right. Or I trust that, well, my mama always said this, or my daddy always said this, so this must be right. It's not tradition. It's not what mom or daddy said. It's what thus said the word of God. That goes back to what I said. I want to know what the Bible says. If the Bible says this is okay and this is right, then I will embrace it. If the Bible doesn't say it, then I won't. Amen. Because this is, this is how I feel. I mean, we talked about this Bible a lot tonight. If I'm not going to believe this is the Word of God, every one of you guys, I'm going to throw this in the trash. I'm going to spend my days working, make all the money I can, fish and hunt all I can because that's what I enjoy and enjoy my family. Otherwise, I'm not going to go to church if I don't believe this. If I'm going to believe this, I'm going to embrace everything I can with it, and I'm going to love it and live for it with everything I got, and embrace what it says, and not what. And the, the God, I'll be honest. There, when me and my wife, when me and Sister Cheryl got married, she was raised in a lot stricter home than I was, as far as um, what she could wear, what she couldn't wear, and my side of the family, my dad was never real. He was in church, but not in church. The last six months of his life, when we really got in church. So we got, actually, before we got married, we had a lot of conversations about, well, this is right and that's right, because I was going by what I had heard my family said. And I wanted to believe you. <laughs> and she wanted to believe me, but she was taught another way. So, honestly, when we got to digging in the Word for ourselves, I found out a whole lot of things that I was told a lot of times in my life wasn't just exactly so, and it was a lot more important than what my family let me know. But I was going by what my family said, and it was like, well, that's my, my mom or my daddy said that, so it's got to be right. No. It's what does the word say? So that's the bottom line with that. I feel like this is a good transition into the next question. Uh, I'm going to ask it first the funny way, and then transition into the not so funny way that another person asked it. Because the answer is very similar. Why does Sister Cheryl say all eyes on me and not then not listen when some people are talking to her? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, was it? 
Why does Sister Shoal say all eyes on me and then not listen when people are talking to her? And, <laughs> and here is the... That's, that's a good question. What you say? That might be true, Autumn. And I feel like the answer to the question is in this question we got from another individual. Okay, fine. Wait a minute. I know who it's in. Defense. No, no, no. This is, and this is why my son got in trouble for interrupting people because he was raised by me. I'm sorry. Okay. And I feel like the answer lies in this question. What is the importance of engaging and paying attention during worship, teaching, and preaching? I'm a bad example. <laughs> Sorry. She says all eyes on her. Autumn, all eyes on me. <laughs> Autumn's not the one who asked that question. Did you say that, Gina? Oh, I don't pay attention to you. I thought I did. Sometimes. Okay. Okay, this is my public apology for not paying attention to you guys all the time. I rarely pay attention. I'm sorry. I love y'all. I love you. Yes, you do. Y'all love me because I'm honest. <laughs> it's very important to pay attention to people. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Okay. All right. Okay. So, say that you were on a trip. Okay. And say that uh, you were getting ready to ride a roller coaster. And say that they told you to put your seatbelt on. And say that you were talking and you weren't paying attention, and the roller coaster takes off, and the person doesn't make sure your seatbelt's fastened, and you go upside down. What's going to happen to you? What happened to you? Exactly. Autumn, all eyes on me. What happened to him? What happened to him? No, what happened to the kid that was on the ride that didn't put his seatbelt on when it went upside down? Yeah. So what would happen if he paid attention? Yeah, he probably wouldn't have rolled the ride. So what would have been the thing that he should have done? Not rolled the ride because he didn't have time to lose weight that day. So that's why it's important to pay attention. Answer the second question. Again. Yes. Ask the second question again. What is the importance of Mike's off? What is the importance of engaging and paying attention during worship, teaching, and preaching? Well, I think one of, one of those answers could be if, they, if, if, if you're engaged in paying attention, there could be a word there that they're trying to teach you that God can give you revelation on. Yeah, exactly. You would know that it's too um, big to ride around and you better get off. How many, you don't have to tell me, but how many times have you been in a school environment or some kind of environment, and they were trying to um, teach you, and you didn't pay attention, and then you made an elf on the on the test. Uh, so, see, 
And here's, here's the bottom line. I'm going to say it this way. We, me as pastor, everybody, I'm going to be so sure, all eyes on me. We have you an average of four to six hours a week. An average of four to six hours a week. And what's that? If you come. Exactly, if you come. And you don't always come. So if you come every service, we have you an average of four to six hours a week. This part of life, living for God, should be the most important part. And I mean, it, this is the most important part of life, whether you, you take it or not. It is the most important part of life. And it is so important that when you come to be engaged with what happens in this place, because this is, we're, how many ever been to Star Bethlehem? How many ever been to Star Bethlehem? My home church, Star Bethlehem. They run, they run about 150. It's a radically crazy apostolic church. They worship God like crazy. We left that to bring that here. This is our goal. We want this here. We want to see an apostolic radical where people want to come, they want to be engaged, they want to be a part of the church. We want that here. And if people doesn't get engaged and they don't get involved, then they'll never be a part of that. So it's so important to be engaged because the whole point of the purpose of the church is to bring people out of the world. They can be saved and go back in the world and bring more people in and we just repeat that process. And if you're not engaged in it, somewhere along the line, you're going to need what we're talking about. You don't think, okay, I'll just be honest with you. When I was in school, I thought, why? Why use 100% of my brain and make A's when I can just use 70 and 80 make B's and C's. Huh? I know, I, but I, that's how my thought. Well, what's the sense of it? My senior year in high school, I never brought a book home one time. I laid it on the chair and picked it back up the next day and took it out never picked it up. I think it was the English book. Never took it back. Now then, at 51 and 30 plus years of being out of school, I have kicked myself so many times for not using my complete brain and making the best grades it could. Because you think, when am I ever going to use trigonometry? I use it every day at work. When am I going to use math? You use it, I promise you. The older you get. And we think, when, when, will, I ever, when will I ever need Acts 238? Mm. Well, when will I ever need the mighty God in Christ Jesus? When, when will I ever need this? I'll tell you when. Every day. Uh, Alyssa, is when that baby has an older sister like Jenna that shoves something down their throat. Oh, yeah. And then you can call on the church and say, Jesus! Right. And the next thing you know, whether you like it or not, Taylor's alive, even though you tried to kill her. <laughs> but because somebody was engaged in church, mm-hmm. a child is alive today. Right. Because you, you're hearing Jesus and you're hearing this stuff. You get engaged with it, it makes that much more powerful. When you're engaged and you're involved in something, it makes it much more powerful. You're like, oh, I think I remember. Go ahead, Jim.
No. No. That's not me. He was a child. God's not me. I, I, I'm fairly certain no, that was an accident yeah. in the first place, yeah. right? Yeah, she or was trying to give her a cigarette. It. Yeah. yeah, it was an accident. <laughs> but <laughs> the, important, the important part of being engaged is... actually a verse in the Bible that says it's an, if it's an accident, it's not murder. There actually is a verse in the Bible that says that. And, and here, honest, here's the, here's the danger of all of it. It's like texting and driving. It's like drinking and driving. You don't give your full attention to it, and it'll cause you to have a wreck. Okay, another autumn. You got to look at me. Why is it autumn? Because autumn wasn't looking autumn's at me. I know, but she wasn't looking. Okay, Savannah. Okay, all right. There's a verse that I read one day this week that is the answer to this question. That's why I want you to look at me and pay attention to me, and I'm going to start trying to pay better attention. I'm sorry. Okay. But the Bible says that if a man of the coast is chosen to be a watchman over a city, and a sword comes and kills the people, and he didn't warn the people, that their blood is going to be required at his hands. But if he warns them, and they don't listen, then the blood is on their hands. God called us to be a watchman here. And just like that little boy that didn't put his seatbelt on and he died on the roller coaster, it's our job to make sure that you've got your seatbelt on and are ready when the rapture comes. My question with that, how many times have you ever been to a, on a roller coaster and they didn't come by and double check your seatbelt. They always have. Was it his fault or was it the one who was supposed to be watching over him? It's both their fault. Yeah, that's true. He should have known enough to know that I can't ride this ride without this seatbelt. And there should have been somebody that was there guarding him enough that they made sure his seatbelt was there. Yeah. That's the whole purpose of the church. You should be paying enough attention that you know better then the seatbelt not be tightened up or uh, be engaged enough that you can hear. So, anyway. Exactly. That's why it's important to pay attention. All right. Now we're getting towards, we only got a few more questions to go here. Um, I, I forgot this one was even in here. How can you explain to the point that someone can understand that you don't pray to a priest for forgiveness? And that Jesus is the only way for the forgiveness of sins to be given. I think that goes back. Same thing. Word of God. Word of God. What? If you have I used the it, word of God and explained it and explained it and explained it, it's not up to you yeah, I think for it, them to get the answer. I think it's it comes down on that one is... Uh, You've been that let, me, let me say this. Probably what you would need to do is be strategic with the word of God and finding places that shows that we pray that we confess to God and there's a lot of scriptures in there uh, like um, I think First John 2 and 9 if we confess our sins to God who's just and faithful forgive us I think it's where it's at so you just find the scriptures that apply to confessing to God and not not to man show them the scriptures he is our high priest he is our high priest all that ty that type of thing mm -hmm. and then if they don't accept that then They've got something inbred in them. They're just not willing to let go. 
So it goes back to the pearls before the swine. So I think that's my opinion. Okay. So these last three questions are very tied together, and they all come out of the end time rapture, those sorts of things. Um, can you explain what is the mark of the beast? The mark of the beast. It is something that is coming most likely very soon. I hope that uh, the church is raptured out, but I have always had the firm belief that um, we most likely will go through the tribulations. Oh, I didn't know you did. Yeah. I've taught it for years. I thought you avoided teaching it. Um, that's always been my opinion. I've really always felt like we'd probably go through the tribulation. I know this is a whole, a whole other thing, but I hope we don't. Yeah. I'm but we don't. regardless of the case, there is a, there is a mark that's coming. And the Bible says that you will not be able to buy or sell unless you take the mark of the beast. Um. Anybody ever heard of 666? Okay. This is what we call the mark of the beast, 666. And that's not, it's not going to be a literally that you're going to take a 666 on your forehead or your hand. The Bible said there will be a mark that will be put in their hand or their forehead where they cannot buy or sell unless they have that. Let me just say this up front. If you're on this earth and you take this mark of the beast, you can never ever be saved you are lost okay so i know sometimes look at look at me like wow listen then you need to know what this is you need to know what the mark of the beast is if you take it you're lost there's nothing you can ever do to be saved because what the mark of the beast ultimately is somebody says well is it a chip going in your hand it could be it may not is it uh and a physical mark on your head it could be maybe not Ultimately, what the mark is, is you're making an allegiance and says, I believe that the Antichrist is the leader. He's the world leader. He's the one. And basically, you're, you're denouncing God. You're, yeah, you're basically you're denouncing that God is real and that, that Antichrist that's going to be set up on this earth is the God of the world. And you're basically, you're denying that there is God. And, and, and let me, t now listen, if... I'm just to be honest. If you don't know God, you'll take the mark. Because it's going to be tough. Because I hate to use Alyssa, but she's only got a baby here. If, if we're on this earth and uh, the baby's crying and don't have food and she's needing to buy something, but the only way she can buy it is if she goes and takes the mark of the beast, that's going to be tough. But if you know Jesus and you're trusting Jesus, what's that? Can you be deceived? Yes. Well, you're saying, and well, you're saying you would still be lost though if you were deceived and take it, right? Hold on. Is that what you're asking? One thing to say about this that I've heard that I've heard quite a lot in answer to this: you can't do this without knowing it. Yes. You. You can't do this by accident. You're not going to. I think it's going to go back to that. You know, so if, let's say the the ultimate thing of the mark is okay. They're going to if you you take allegiance and say okay, I'm going to trust this government or whatever. 
put a chip in me. And this is what they're thinking is probably going to be a chip, you know, like we see the chips in our cards and all this stuff. Basically, they scan your hand or scan your forehead, and you'll have to pull your wallet out for your debit card and all this kind of stuff. This is where all this is going. They just scan your hand or your hand or your head or whatever. That's basically what people think that it will be. What? It would be cool. To never go to heaven? But. Yeah. And this is all the name of convenience. So, so this is saying you would have to sign a piece of paper? I don't know. I'm just going by what you would have Urban to. Baxter has always said. You have to make it. will be, you'll be making allegiance to the fact that I'm, I think from everything that I can understand, I'm under the impression that in order for you to actually take the mark, you're going to be signed a piece of paper saying that I denounce Christ. So like the piece of paper that we signed for the vaccination, but yes. somehow or another it says in there that you don't believe in Jesus. It says, I am denouncing Christ and this Antichrist, whoever it may be, which is probably alive right now, I trust him and not Christ. But that's not the vaccination card. No, it's not the vaccination card. Yeah. No. If they force you to do it, you're not doing it. Upon the, way your... it's, the way it's working is it says he maketh all, and if they don't. Autumn's got a question. Basically, if you don't, if you don't, they're probably going to kill you one way or another. So. That's up to your mama. Can I go to the bathroom? I got to pee. Only one of y'all. I'm good. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. That, now that's a deep subject we need to talk about more because we're here. Mm-hmm. We really are. I think the real answer to this question is Bible study time. Mm -hmm. That over probably a course of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a five-minute question. This is more like a one-hour lesson yeah. or two. <laughs> uh, it's, it's lessons, so. uh, and this next one is probably even more lessons yeah, than that. Say, one more thing on the market base. If you're if it scares you bothers you i urge you to um study it go to end time prophecies Irvin baxter's stuff got a lot of stuff ken raggio he's on youtube he's got a lot of good stuff on the market raymond woodward a lot of these people that's that's taught on it study it out don't trust just anything out there but um it is something that's coming I pray and hope that we're taken out of this world before it ever comes and we don't got to worry about it. But if you're left in this world, the only hope you got is you better not ever take that mark and sign your allegiance over and say, I denounce Christ or you're lost. Do you have a question? Um, if the only way we can buy stuff is if we get the mark of Because the devil's going to be the one running the world at the time. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. That's why I hope that the rapture happens first. That's the. Now, what was your question? Let me hear what you said. If if the if the only way that you can buy or sell is to take the mark, and it's okay. Why has that got to do with the devil? Is that what you said? Yeah, because But he already gave you the chance. But if if you're if if the whole church has gone to heaven already, and also, and you rejected on him. another note, on another note. He, the, the guy we're talking about, Urban Baxter, actually wrote a book about this, uh, illustrating what he said, thought the world might look like. French Child War. Yeah. yeah. And in that novel, he said, suddenly you heard a lot more testimonies about God's miraculous provision. Yeah. 
Now, and those that's here now, if if you don't take the mark of the beast, that's where having faith and trust in Jesus is going to come in. Mm -hmm. He will take care of you. Miracles, yeah. He will give you miracles. He will be your provider. He will take care of you. He will provide. Especially if you're standing for him. By but, the way, there's a lot of people who successfully go under the wire even now and buy and sell things illegally. So Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. There's ways around and that. And we can see it going this direction. I mean, they're trying to make it where there's no money, all this crypto and all this. Everything's pushing straight towards it. Uh, the American dollar, if you hadn't noticed, is getting worse and worse. It's going to be worth nothing before too long. So and that's the whole point of all this governmental stuff that's happening. Hmm. It's bringing it all down to where there needs a world leader to step up and say, I've got the answer. And that's the antichrist. So, go ahead. This is deep stuff here. Yeah. Okay, so I'm before I get to our last two questions, I've got one that I was given. This is a fun one. Yeah. Let's have it. If the Bible says something about, for example, I think honestly this is an example. I know you. I, I, I didn't I, write it. Something about gender is what it says, for example, being what God made you, or any other possible sin or something in the Bible. Who's in the wrong? Is it you judging someone because the Bible says not to judge? Or is it the person who is living the lifestyle that you may be judging? It's probably according to the way you do it. Okay, so I, you're, I Calling it judgmental, basically. There's a way Number, to do it, and there's a way not to do it. And everything has to be done in love, or it's or it is wrong. And Number one applies to any. This is so important world. for everybody to understand. This the Bible never says not to judge. The Bible no way ever ever says not to judge. The scripture that everybody takes out of context it says, "Oh, the Bible says not to judge." That is false. That is not true. The, the verse is in Matthew chapter 7, and it says, Judge not, lest you be judged by the same judgment. And then the rest of that chapter gives you seven different ways to judge people. This is where it comes to the fact that people does not know the Bible. They just want to use that one verse, judge not. Well, the Bible says judge not, but it says judge not, lest you be judged by the same judgment. So, what we have to understand is if you're going to judge somebody, you've got to realize if you judge somebody, almost always you're going to be judged by that same judgment. Mm -hmm. So I've seen it happen so many times. I've heard, I'll use it for, I'm a grandparent now. I've heard a lot of people say, when I have grandkids, it's never going to work that way. I'm not, but. Corbin's not going to be a screamer. Oh, uh, yeah. I and mean, Corbin's <laughs> one of the worst screamers in the world. But the, the point I'm making is whatever judgment you use, Generally, you're going to have that same judgment back to you. But ultimately, what Jesus was saying here, judge not lest you be judged by the same judgment. So, the bottom line is, the judgment is this. Now, you can't take the Word of God and beat people up with the Word of God. You cannot 
tell people what the word of God says in a way that they feel like they're condemned and there's no way for them to ever be saved. That destroys the word of God and doesn't help it. The word of God is supposed to bring us life and hope. And this goes back to the word of God. But it's also you get to that place of love. If I know something you're doing is wrong, this goes back to what she says. If I know that something that you're doing is wrong as me as a pastor or even you as an individual, you know somebody's doing something that's wrong and you can't go to them and say, "Ah, look, um, you know, the Bible says that you're not supposed to have sex outside of marriage. If you do and God comes back while you're having sex outside of marriage, the Bible says that you're going to be lost. Now, if I tell you like that, am I judging you or the Word of God judging you? I'm telling you what the Word of God said, so ultimately the Word of God is judging you and not me. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says and bringing that judgment. Again, that same verse, it's in, it's in Matthew chapter 7, judge not lest you be judged by the same judgment. Then he gives you seven different ways to judge them. You'll know them by their fruit. He goes on and tells you seven different ways to judge people. But we have to do it in a right spirit. we got to do it in a loving way. You just can't go up to somebody and say, Bless God, you're doing this. You're going to hell. No. And generally. Well, you're, you're a big fat hog. You can't sit on that, that uh, roller coaster seat. That's not the right way to do it. You've got to do but it right. It's also not right. It has to be. And, and, and generally, getting in a Facebook argument is the wrong spirit. Yeah. Exactly. Now, you don't do it. Now, you don't. <laughs> ever engage in Facebook arguments with the Bible because you will lose every time. Even if you have the right scriptures, the right verses, say it the kindest way, never get in a Facebook argument because you will lose every time. You will be made the one to look like an idiot. And most of the time, anytime you post an opinion on Facebook, it's going to go wrong. Yeah, I mean, unless you're David K. Bernard, in which case... All, more power to you. Yeah. Yeah. Still, they still argue with you. They're yeah. still going to think you're wrong. <laughs> but at least you've got enough qualifications behind but, you. <laughs> here's the thing. You, you guys sitting here, <clears throat> if you call me pastor, you better know that I'm going to use the Word of God and tell you show you what the Word of God says. And if I show it to you from the Word of God, I'm not bringing judgment. I'm telling you what God's Word says to you. And I would rather you I'd rather somebody tell me, judge me. You heard me say this a lot. I'd rather somebody judge me from the Word and tell me what the Word says because when you stand before Jesus, He's going to use the exact same Word and He's going to judge you, but then you don't have a chance to get right. right. Because if I tell you now, oh, you're stealing. The Bible says you're not supposed to steal or you're going to go to hell. You have a chance to get it right. But if Jesus says... While you're on earth, you was a thief and you never made it right. Therefore, my judgment is eternal hell because you chose your own way and not my way. And the truth of the matter is, Daniel, according to what I said about that watchman thing, we're going to be in trouble for it. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. Okay. Wrap it up. Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3 talks about seven different churches. What's this all about? Uh, that is a that is a eight-part series. <laughs> the first part is to introduce, introduce you to what the seven churches are. 
and the next seven parts are talking about what the seven churches are. <laughs> but in a nutshell, uh, Jesus gave John words to give to the present seven-day churches of that time. And each was a message to them seven churches that existed during that time. And John gave that to them. Now, there are a lot of parallels of seven different church dispensations that apply to where we are now. That would be your eight-part series. But the short answer is God gave John on the Isle Patmos revelation of uh, things that he needed to say to the seven churches during that time. And that's their message to them. Uh, like the one was laid say, you, I'd rather you be hot or cold because you're not. You're lukewarm. I'm going to spew you out. You just go through all of them. Um, and we are supposed to be in that age right now? I, I'm going to, I'll be honest with you. I am not. I have done some studying on it. I haven't done a lot of teaching on it. There's a guy by the name of um, Philip Harrelson on YouTube. He's got a really good series on it. And he could explain it really. He's a brilliant guy. Uh, he explained it good. But uh, to get the full impact of it, it's a, it's probably an eight-part series. One to tell you all about it, the introduction, and then seven different ones on each church. <laughs> but in a nutshell, Jesus gave him a revelation of the end time and also told him. And that's why it applies there. It's a revelation of the end time. But that's why. He also used the old, he used the present time to tell them where they is at. That also applies to where we are now. And that's the short answer without going into long. So that has to do with the spirit of the spirit. Spirit of ages, yeah, different ages. And you Philip Harrelson, that'd be a good one for you to look up. Philip Harrelson, I'll, I'll see if I can send you a link to his YouTube page. He's got a God blog Brother. called Barnabas. Alabama, Barnabas blog. I think he's got a blog called yeah, Barnabas. Blog. He's yeah. I think he's got a YouTube channel, a few other things like that. So. Yeah, he's, he's um, but he's not hard to understand. Either. No, no, no. no, he's a good old Dothan, Alabama. Dothan, Alabama. Brilliant. Yeah. All right, so this is the last question. All right. For everyone who was wondering if we were going to wrap up. How can we make sure that we are not deceived when the end comes? <laughs> the way the world is now is what I'm saying. And toward the end time, I'm going. I got an answer for you. Okay. All right. You know. This is that thing you talked about that Brother Jason Cisco said. There is a live stream that Brother Jason Cisco. I'm going to. There's a live stream, Brother Jason Cisco. Let me go farther than than this. Something you go don't check it out. Something I've heard a lot of preachers talk about the old timers, how they used to pray. The old timers would pray, God, and I prayed a lot. God, don't let me be deceived. Now, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, not the Lord's Prayer, when you pray the armor of God, the first article on the armor of God is do you know what it is? The first article that you put on is the belt of truth and truth holds everything together if you don't have truth in your life it doesn't matter how much you pray it doesn't matter how much you read the word of god it doesn't matter what your opinion of the gospel is it may be disputed it may be messed up but when you have truth 
it makes everything else balanced in your life. So when you, if you've never heard, I've got it somewhere on here, uh, our podcast, you can go back. I've actually taught on a Sunday morning about praying the uh, armor of God. The very first thing is the belt of truth. And when I pray that, that I say, God, please let me have a revelation of your truth. Do not let me be deceived in this end time. Because here's the thing. The spirit of the Antichrist is now in our land stronger than it's ever been. What is the spirit of Antichrist? Everything that is anti-Christ. Everything is against what Christ stands for and believes in. And our generation is so anti-Christ, it's unreal. And the spirit is out there that, that will believe a lie and be damned. And if you go listen to that Jason Sisko thing, I, it's, too, it's too late, too much for me to get into it all. It is so powerful. I will share it from our Facebook page, um, from the church Facebook page and mine later. You need to go on there and watch that. It's about an hour long. But the best way to do it is know this Bible, know Jesus, and actually pray and say, God, please. Do not let me be deceived. And stay connected, exactly, to the church. The importance of being engaged in church, if you're not engaged, you don't know what's going on, you can be easily deceived. Because the scripture talks about, you know, you save the whole world and lose your own soul. How does that happen? How does a person, how does a person, we we see Jesus, he says, um, Depart from me, I never knew you. How, how does that happen? Somebody, I didn't, I, I, I cast out devils in your name, this and that. How does that happen? Because that person has become deceived, thinking that they know God, but they don't because they don't have a relationship with God. When you have a relationship with God, you're not going to really be deceived. It's like me and my wife, you know, as long as I'm staying close to her and we have this relationship, no, somebody else is not going to walk in and steal me from her or vice versa. We have such a relationship with each other that we know each other and nobody else is coming in and going to um, get my wife or her spouse. We have such a relationship with each other that nothing else is going to deceive us that that love's not real. Jenna, okay. do you have a question? They need to come to church and they need to get to know God. Well, they're not going to believe in God until they get exposed to it. No, they're not. No, because God can save them. He can wake them up. I'm thinking. An atheist? How's he ever going to become saved if he doesn't come to church? Uh, Bible study? outside of church. So uh, you think it's better for him not to come? I'm yes. not saying that no. it's I'm not saying it's better not to come. I'm well, saying here's I'm a, saying it is possible outside of here's church. Here's the thing with it would be good if they come mm-hmm. because honestly what we want in church is for people to be able to walk when they pull in the park a lot, when they drive by. This is my goal. Experience the when love they of God. Drive yes. by, they feel they walk in like what is this I feel? Mm-hmm. What is this I feel? 
they can feel something here that they might not feel anywhere else. So I would say it's better if they come to church. But outside of that, if you're connected to somebody that's an atheist, you are the only church they may ever see. So they need you to have something come off of you that... They need to feel the love of God they, on you. You're like, yeah. there's something different about you. I don't know what you got, what's in your life, but I want what you got. And when they come to you and ask you that question, you say, I, I believe in God. He's my everything. Then that'll make them want that. Mm-hmm. So. Also, in relation... Did you have a question? Uh, one more thing on that atheist question. Okay. Um, I heard a story, Brother Bobby Kilman tells, they were having a big outdoor concert for Indiana Bible College, and an atheist showed up, mm-hmm. and a bunch of students got with him and prayed for, prayed for him and was like, oh, prayed for him and for him to get the Holy Ghost and this and that, and after it got over with, he just stared at him, and... Later on, Brother Kilman walked up to him and asked him how he was doing. He said, your kids are great, but you, you, uh, they're, they're great kids. They're just a little out there, a little weird. Because He didn't feel anything when they prayed for him because he didn't have faith. That He said what Brother Kilman said this. He said, if you're going to deal with an atheist, don't say, oh, you're going to feel it. Because if their fillers aren't out waiting to fill it, they're not going to fill it. Wow. So what you need to do, what they will feel, is they will feel your love. Mm -hmm. They will feel what you do. And you can try to reason with them up and down and you may get nowhere. But if you'll be a Christian, that's where it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Your question. Last question. Which question? We are waiting. Oh, uh, so let's say you know that you're about to die. Mm. You're on deathbed, or someone has a gun to your head. Just, just as okay. an example, if you prayed and repented right before like it happens, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Not God. Are you talking? She wants to know if deathbed repentance is real. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. If you repent, repentance. If you repent right before you die, will you go to heaven or hell? That's the question. The beautiful thing about that is I'm not God. All right? And that means I mean we don't that, get to answer that question. The real question. What, I'm, what I mean by that. Sincerity. It's a question of how God views that. Only God knows your motives. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I have a really good question. Okay. Well, let, let me finish that up. The bottom line of that is there, he's a just God. That means he's, um, help me with that. He's a good God, and he, he, he can do what he wants to he, do. Are you talking about a well, sovereign God? Yeah, well, he, he can't, well, we can say he can do what he wants to do, but he also will not violate his word. That's true. So he will not go against his word. So the bottom line is I wouldn't want to be in that situation, mm-hmm. but I would rather repent on my deathbed than not do nothing at all. Because if you if you don't know God, and that's the only time you've ever repented, is at your deathbed. That's your best chance of ever making it. But my advice is, don't wait till then. Yeah. Don't go through life saying, "Oh, right before I die, I'm going to repent." 
Because you may not have the you chance. You may not have that opportunity. Because what for all you know, say the guy could the guy could be you. saying the guy with the gun to your head could say I'm going to shoot you on the count of three, and you're and you one say boom. and it goes one boom. Yeah, exactly. It's not the best strategy. Okay. <laughs> that is another one. Then I can't tell you that yes or no, but I will tell you this. There is a man by the name of Dr. David Bernard. He has an incredible YouTube video. And I've had this question posed to me many times. And let me, let me tell you, one time me and, my, me and my cousin were at work. I still work with him. And I had this other guy that I worked with. His brother had killed himself. And my cousin... This guy, which he didn't ask me the question before, he said, what do you think about people who kill themselves, you know, whether they're going to heaven or hell? I'm like, man, I, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it, they're in God's hands. I, I don't know the answer to that. And then one day he posed a question to me and my cousin, and my cousin said one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. He said, oh, man, you kill yourself, you're going straight to hell. And he walked away, a little sorrowful, and I looked at my cousin, and I said, you realize his brother killed himself, right? And he said, oh, man. So... The, the answer to that question is, I don't know. It is not the place that you want to be. It's also but you don't just, know what happens in between exactly. that moment. Let me, they have a chance let me go back to tell you, this is the best thing I, and I know where you're you invested with this. There's a guy by the name of Dr. David Bernard. He has a YouTube video. He, every week he puts out this post, and he, at, he was asked this question. One of the best answers I've ever heard in my entire life with this because he's brilliant, he's very balanced, and he answers that question very, very well. It's probably a 10 to 15 minute YouTube video. I will send that to your messenger link and you can watch it at your convenience. But the short answer to that is we don't know what, where a person is at that time when they do that. We don't know under what kind of influence they may be under. We don't know their state of mind. He said there's a lot of variables that may, you know, be involved with that situation. But um, he gives an extremely good answer. The short answer is I don't think everyone who kills herself goes to hell because we don't know all the circumstances. We don't know what leads up to that. But, again, it goes back to that other, that other one. If you're here today and you're thinking about that, you need to talk to somebody yeah. and, and seek out somebody that can help you out with that. So counselor, counselor pastor, somebody that can help you with it. But my answer to that is I do not think everyone who kills themselves goes to hell because there are circumstances we don't understand or don't know about it, okay? But it's not the ideal situation. It's not what we want to do because it does put you in danger of going to hell. Okay, does that make sense? I, but I'll, I'll send you that video and you can watch it at your convenience. I think it may help you. Okay. You've got a lot of things you got to send out that I don't forget. I do. Jenna. Jenna. You got a question? We've opened the can of worms, huh? Mm -hmm. That means it was needed. <laughs> Okay, Brooke. Six, okay. Seven. Remember? No, 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 no. 
other thoughts? Gina, can I ask a question? Oh, yeah. Well, you have a counselor, though, right? Does that help when you talk to her? I don't have a counselor. You don't anymore? For me, it makes it both. It might do you good to find somebody that is trustworthy. Well, I talk to her sometimes, but uh, that's good. One, yeah. one thing, if, if you have issues talking to people that is in your life on a regular, everyday basis, because sometimes the people that you talk to could be the problem. True. So, yeah. Sometimes if your problem is... Find somebody yeah. that's not in your normal everyday group and talk to them. In a good place, though, is talking to Jesus. Yes. That's an excuse I can talk to her, but I know if I talk to her, she's going to tell you, and then you're going to tell me. No, she wouldn't. You don't know okay. Bethany, then. You don't know Bethany. Anyway. You can talk to me. Because here's the thing. You can talk to Brittany. Hey. Who is Bethany? Bethany. Friars. Mama. Anyway. Yeah. Seriously. If I'll tell her I told you she could talk. You, you can talk Bethany. to Bethany. Bethany, I need to talk to you, and this needs to stay with you. She would not tell me. She would not tell you, unless yeah. it was something that she thought was going to totally harm you, and then she probably would let you know first. Yeah. I need to tell somebody else about this. Anyway. Okay? All right. We're going to be done. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your blessings, and this opportunity tonight. Keep us safe as we go home. In Jesus' name.